Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim makes my nose hurt, Josie introduces us to music we'll never listen to, and together we continue our Advent series looking for joy in the midst of darkness. everybody welcome back to good christian people the podcast episode 17 i thought for joe I, didn't do his homework. i thought for sure that was going to be this was going to be the one i stopped doing the spanish because it's too much homework to figure it out right joe went italiano and he forgot to look it up <sighs> too much pasta latin diciasete there you go That's good job backwards. yeah this is good Christian People Podcast, yeah. number 17. Well, no, I'm saying this is good preparation for the Good Christian People Podcast. So what's going on today, Not Jeff? much. How's everyone doing? We're in a different configuration with our seats, and I can see the two of you now, and it's weird. Um, We're it's on weird. our Christmas set. We are on the Christmas set. From we should Friday, probably take Christmas a picture of it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll take a picture of it and put I, it, put it on the Instas. The Grams. It'd be good, because I think we're putting uh, roughly on average... One thing per month mm-hmm. on the on the grams sounds about right. Yeah, that should be good. Oh, and this one will actually, Andrew. this episode will actually come out on the Tuesday before our Fun Friday, right? Correct. Yeah. So anybody listening to this episode, if you're listening to it right when it comes out, you can join us at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and on Facebook through our church, Faith mm-hmm. in Glen Burnie. Uh, if you go to face, Facebook and just search Faith Glen Burnie. Uh, you'll find us, and we're going to do a live game show, sing-along, karaoke, fun, just yeah. craziness. And a visit from? Santa. Santa! Yeah. I know him! And that's 7 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Eastern. On Facebook and YouTube on the 18th of December. On the 18th. Yeah. And if you are a, if you find us on that through this podcast, we would love for you to say that in the chat. Like, yeah. hey, you know, especially if you're from Council Bluffs, because now. What up? We have heard nothing from Council Bluffs. I think there might be some sort of click farm there that's just Joe might be paying some some you know workers to listen in Council Bluffs. Maybe so we'll get to that in a second. But let's talk about what's happening this week. Well, first off, um, is anybody doing their Christmas shopping yet? Have you done it? My wife does all my Christmas shopping. Does she do? My wife does the same thing. We yeah. have a we have a thing where we. Uh, give pajamas to the whole family, but I guess new pajamas on Christmas Eve, so yeah. we can open that up. And she came to me and she said, all of the family's pajamas have been bought. And I said, okay, well, let me know what ones you want and I'll get them. And she said, all of the family's pajamas have been bought. And I was like, okay, all right, I guess that's, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I buy a gift for Jill and she buys everybody else gifts. So that's, right. that's it. You said you buy a gift for Jill? Well, a gift or a gift or whatever. So How many gifts do you normally get her? Not much, maybe one or two at the most, wow. kind of thing. We're we're pretty simple. Um, all of our all of our kind of extra money budget goes towards travel and vacation. We okay. would rather spend money on experiences than on. Now, with this property your, and things, with this, the I like Matt Chandler called it the stuff of future yard sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, did now that you have a baby. Yeah. Is this the Christmas? Are you going to like lavish a bunch of stuff, no, or do you realize she doesn't know anything no, yet? Yeah. I mean, she knows things, but you know, she no. doesn't realize she'll what's be happening. six months or five months, six months, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. it's just no. 
Okay, that's good. Uh, me, on the other hand... We are uh, going to take her to Disney World, because she'll, of course, know that. So. You are not. That's a joke. Okay. I was like, you don't strike me as Disney people. We're going to take her on the Tower of Terror. She's six months. She's good now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nothing bad can happen on that. No. Nah. She probably meets the... I mean, at this point, I think they'll just appreciate any guests coming in. Just drop her in. Yep. This morning, I was standing outside in 30-degree weather outside of Walmart, a place I really tried to never go. Did you get a PS5? No, I did not. Of course you didn't. I didn't. How long, how long did you stand outside of Walmart minutes. to get a PS5? 45 minutes. And how far back in the line were you? I was about 40 people back. How many people got one? Eight. <laughs> well, but the problem was the report was... 20%. They had gotten 40 or 50 in. And so they, uh. everybody in front of me was like, I know somebody who works here who said they just got 50 on the truck. And so I'm starting to do the math. I'm going. But after the Walmart employees took their own, then there they was had only eight, eight. left. Yeah. They had eight. But it was interesting. It was kind of a scary moment where this, the guy who was behind me who then proceeded to try to cut in front of me uh, and in front of a couple other people who promptly told him to go back. Yeah. Uh, he was like, oh, my bad. Um, he then went on to say that should he not get one, he will just take it from whoever did. Nice. And so then at that point, I was kind of like, you know what? I may just I may just try to get it online. You're a concealed carry, right? No. Okay. No, not um, with these guns. I don't need them. Oh. Hey. Um, so what you do, what you should do is just take every time you're at your computer trying to find this next-gen uh, system, every time you're standing in 30-degree weather, just take a picture of yourself, wrap all of those pictures up, give them to your son, and just say, it's the effort that counts. Yeah. 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 Just give him a box of rocks and tell him he's getting a PS4. <laughs> PS4. You? I have a PS. That's amazing. I have a PS3. You yeah. can have it. We have a PS3. Oh, okay. Well, PS4. if if you give him your PS3 and I give him my PS4, we can make him a PS7. Yeah. Just stack them on top of each other. You can play two games simultaneously. So speaking of entertainment, uh, something really big happened last week. And I don't know, Tim, if you paid any attention to it, because I know for a while you were a movie guy mm-hmm. uh, when they had the movie pass and mm-hmm. you could see 90 movies for 10 cents a month. And yeah. you went and saw every you were outpacing me on movies. Well, Fridays was my day off. Yeah. And Jill was still working and we didn't have a kid. And so, yeah, it was every Friday morning I was going to the Amish market and getting breakfast and getting a movie. And yeah. that was my Friday. You were not mornings. getting a movie at the Amish market. No, but right above right. the Amish market is Indeed. the movie. Movie theater. So. Indeed. Did you see what has happened with Warner Brothers in movie theaters? If you if you see the police, Warner Brother. That one? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Have you not seen those t-shirts? Yeah. I've They're seen awesome. It says WB, and if you see the police coming, Warner, Warner Brother. Brother. Yeah. yeah. No, so you don't know what's happening with them? Uh, something about all their movies are going to HBO Max or something. Yes. Yeah. Warner Brothers has agreed for all of their releases in 2021 to simultaneously release them on HBO Max and in theaters. Uh, pretty much, this is some people, not really the beginning of the end, but this is uh, this is going to kill movie theaters okay. in, a, in a big way. They're gonna What they're going to do, but it's actually pretty smart because they're saying, we're going to give our movies like Wonder Woman is coming out on Christmas Day. Wonder Woman! And it'll be on HBO Max mm-hmm. for one month. And then they will drop another big movie that everybody's going to want to watch. Oh, so 12 movies they're going to put out 14, on HBO. 14, yeah. I think it said 14 on HBO Max over okay. the course of, of, like they got the new Lin-Manuel Miranda movie coming out. Oh, I'll go see that one in the theater. But like King Kong versus Godzilla is going to be, and it'll only be for one month. And I it's going to continue to run in theaters. But theater chains are like, this is destroying us. Yeah, I did see like a lot of, you know, the market crashed. Uh, Wall Street market crashed for everybody that's a public company that's a movie yeah, theater. They, yeah, it's, they, it's, they it's bad. 
Uh, my but everybody family, has like a 60, I mean, not everybody, a lot of people have a 65 inch, a lot of yeah. people have the recliner, the popcorn, and yeah. the drinks are much cheaper. You know, it's not like, it's the movie theaters, I, I, I think, still have their place, but this is still, the movie theaters are now just coming into what live sports have known for years. Right. That the world's changing. Yeah. And that people can watch at the NFL, people can watch the MLB from home in the in warmth and or in air conditioning much more comfortable they can just pay their cable bill and be done and they can watch the yeah. game and have it much more up close sure than if they were at the game and so yeah i i, I mean I, it, if it, it took covid to kind of wake the movie theater up so they're just gonna have to adapt yep think of something my, different my family will still go there's something special well, about you being are, sure theater. that's and that's you yeah you'll still go to the theater because there's something special yeah. i will still go to live sporting events because there's something special, special. about being there right but the average joe are not showing up to live sports anymore yeah. and are not going to go yeah. to the theaters so and hopefully that'll all work out i mean warner brothers is like we'll try to figure out if that's gonna that's gonna be our model moving forward but mm-hmm. Uh, definitely with streaming, it seems like that's a big deal. Somebody uh, should have gone back to 2019 and saw COVID coming, went to the movie theaters, and they should have worn a brother. So now there's <laughs> the Now there is uh so monolith update. Yeah, what happened? I don't even know. So okay, <laughs> there was one in Romania. The there was last one in week. Romania. I think it it might be down now. It might be gone. Yeah. Uh, but there was one in Philly. Really? I didn't was, hear that. So there was one in Philly that was put up, but it was a fake one. Oh. It was outside a candy store. It was a copycat. It was a it was a marketing ploy oh, where good somebody for them. took good for that's genius. It is. They genius. took plywood, put, wrapped it with some sheet metal, and then put it out. Go come see our monolith. Brilliant. And it's outside a candy store, and and the guys are like, it's it's just something fun. Right. But there was another people got I, mad about it. No, I don't oh, think so. Okay. No, there's one that people did get mad about. I think there we was, should put one out in front of the church. We Come should. To, yeah. yeah. We call it Monolith Baptist Church. We can get yeah. people saved. I we mean, could. we can put a monolith up and then put another monolith horizontally across yeah. it. So, oh. okay, all right, here we go. Now we're combining all the things. Uh, in California, this happened. California. California in the desert, I think, or somewhere. In a, I don't know. I, I didn't pay too much close attention to it because it's dumb. But a monolith showed up, mm. and it's like 20 feet tall, and there's a video of, uh, I don't know the way to say this, aside from Christian nationalists who came and knocked it down. Mm-hmm. And they and they, I mean, they had a live video, streaming video of it, of them going, we don't want you here, alien overlords, oh, and wow. then put up a cross in its place, yeah. chanting, Christ is King, America sure. first. And I'm like... Well, hold, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I, honestly, I don't... So the, I'm the whole, serious. I saw the whole alien so thing, good. whatever... I have no problem if you, you knock down a monolith. I don't care. You put <laughs> sure. up a cross. Sure, that's great. You want right. to sh- chant Christ is King. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Yeah. But are you saying that it, legit they said Christ is King, America first? Maybe not like in that order, okay. but like the, in the video, it's them chanting Christ is King, Christ is King. They pushed down the monolith. Yeah. And then they turned back around and said, you know, America first. And, huh. and there were there were some other things they said. I don't remember. I wasn't paying. It's was just a dumb story. But I was. But Got they it. they seemed genuinely threatened by the monolith. Speaking of dumb story, you were going to say something about you read something about Giuliani. I did. And so I want to be real clear. This was on the docket to discuss uh-huh. before it was announced yesterday that he has COVID. Yeah, and to so be clear, in the same way that we felt about President Trump God and his speed, family, we pray for please you, heal. For sure. Like, yeah. we hope everything goes well. Yeah. However, he was in Michigan 
this past week, mm-hmm. and he was arguing in front of state senators about the election and, and all of that. And I don't know if you have no. heard about this. No idea. But twice mm-hmm. in the midst of his arguments, um, he just ripped some farts no. that got picked. I'm like, dead serious. I've done that on camera. And so that was why I brought it up, <laughs> because I wanted to ask, Yeah. Have you reached out to him? Do you have plans on reaching out to him on how to well, deal with now it? Now, maybe I had no idea. I don't pay attention to these kind of news yeah. stories, but uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll reach out to him. Let him know yeah. that. I mean, I, there's my three favorite words when these things happen: is deny, deny, deny. Yeah. So, but it did happen. It did, and there's multiple me, videos of it. Me, yeah, it really did, and that was one of the funniest moments of my life. I have so many questions right now, but I think they would be more appropriate after off the camera. microphone. Yeah, off microphone. So, yeah. yeah, but Saturday I mean, like, Night Live, you know, it's just like like locker locker room humor. Yeah, like did he raise his leg? That's the only. I but I wouldn't say that with the microphone's hot kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it's a good thing you didn't say that when the mics were on. <laughs> also, there's a lot of definitions of locker room talk. Uh, oh, that yeah. seems a lot more fitting to yeah, what, you're what right. is. You're yeah, right. anyway. I yeah, farts is locker room talk. That's yeah. that's. That's appropriate. Appropriate locker room talk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's. But again, we won't put that on the podcast. Sure. Uh, but Saturday Night Live got a hold of it, and they did include it. And yeah. there's also a really funny video of a lady who um, might be intoxicated or just crazy. Yeah. Uh, she on was SNL. On SNL, but I mean, she was Cecily Strong did the impersonation of her. Yeah. She was next to Rudy Giuliani, uh-huh. and it's some of the the best stuff I've seen. Not on Saturday Night Live. Like Saturday Night Live tried to make it funnier, and you couldn't. Like this lady was just hilarious. I don't know. Who's I can't remember, but she but was sure. some blonde lady. I'll look just, it, up. it was, oh man, it was really funny. So anyway, let's get into it. Um, Do it. We need to talk about a couple of things. This is a, a big moment for us, even though we are only on episode 17. I want to the heralds are here. bring up, mm-hmm. this is, I'm, I'm very excited about this. Spotify. I don't know if you pay attention to this. Are you on Spotify much? Never heard of it. Get out. <laughs> So Spot, I know. Actually, I'm on Apple Music. So of course, you anyway. Are. But Spotify, what they do is they do like a year end wrap up, mm-hmm. where they go, "Hey, you've listened to X amount of songs. You've listened to this many podcasts. This is," and they take all of the information. It's really interesting when you look at the the, the past year. And we and made the national top ten list for our listeners. We did. Oh, for I mean, we we I received notices from multiple people that we are friends with uh, sent little screenshots to say you were the number one or you were in our top five podcasts of the year. So here's my question. Does that mean our listeners are not podcast listeners and exactly. we just happen to be up there? That's 100% So people who is. actually like podcasts, steer clear, brother. Right. So <laughs> uh, Justin Hannigan, our... If you like our, podcasts, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right you. now. Right. I'm going to warn a brother. Uh, <laughs> stay or steer clear oh, of good Christian people. That, and by the way... <laughs> Water is you were coming out of my nose. You were drinking water when I said that. It went all. It legit came up and out. Water's supposed to go down, not spit up. Spit takes and out. are no good. I was good. impressed. I had that spray pattern. Like <laughs> spit takes are no good on an audio on only oh, man, I just podcast. Cleaned out my sinuses. That really hurt. All right. So anyway, so uh, obviously the people who like us like us, and the people who don't could care less. Is what we're saying. Right. Well, I they, mean, at least for for me, who does uh, listen to podcasts on Spotify, you. We came in at number three, technically number four for me. Well, you're the daggone producer of the show. I, so. I, I only listened to a couple episodes. That's more than he listens to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I don't listen to my podcast on Spotify. Um, well, I listen on Stitcher, Stitcher right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I just somehow got into that. In, uh, I, I'm Apple Pod. <laughs> of course I Of course am. you are. But 
Um, and it's a shame that none of these guys are sponsoring us uh, for the amount of, of oh, name dropping that we're... Apple doesn't have enough money to send us for sponsorship. Yeah, I know. Only a trillion dollar company. Right. But so we... So Hanneken, who was our first guest on our yep. third, fourth episode... Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent me a picture. He goes, look at this, man, you guys. And I, I think we made his, like, I don't know if it was number one or number two, but what it also showed was how many times he had listened, and it was like three. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so what you're saying, bro, is He that listened to his episode. He listened to his episode and then the part two, two of his episode. And there was probably like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. So our top listeners are listening to us three times. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Uh, but we appreciate all of you who do listen. Uh, Josie, you got one of those, right? I'm yeah. very interested. Can you tell me what your number one song of the year was? So this is actually... He's already smiling. This is really funny, um, to is me it, at least. Uh, yeah, Man, okay. I Feel Like a Woman. Um, all five of my, my top five songs were all... Tina um, Turner. Video game related. No. Oh. Uh, Cindy Lauper. They were all like scores oh. like from, from things. Like John Williams. Not really. I don't listen to John Williams. I'm but sorry. But like John sorry, Williams. Dave. Um, Dave. N- not even like Dave. Not even like John Williams. But um, the, the number one song was from a, a game called uh, uh, Lone Survivor, which is about like this guy that's like psychological horror, like whatever. Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. He's yeah. like in a sure. zombie, zombie world. Yeah. And the song is entitled Sleep Forever, which I sh- felt was like the most appropriate anthem for this year. And do I'll, you listen to it before you go to sleep? I, I don't. That's um, his, that's his wake up. I, I was uh, surprised like that this was my number one song. I'll play like five seconds of it for everyone, just so you can kind of get a. We're gonna have to pay for this. Yeah. Sure. Apple, can you give us the sponsorship? We were only freshmen. <laughs> yeah, it's just like lo-fi, kind of like verve. sad, depressing. <laughs> Like yeah, I, I just—it's like an anthem for you're this the year. weirdest dude, man. I love you. You so have the much. weirdest taste in music. I—I I don't know. My my number two song for the year was uh, "Man, I Feel Like a Woman." No, uh, <sighs> it's on there though, isn't it? Sure. Are you probably. gonna play us another one? No, thank God. Um, my number two song was a lo-fi remix of the title from one of the Avatar, like the cartoons. My third song was from one of the best albums I've ever heard um, from a Polish artist named Lukash. The song's called Perpetual Motion. Dude, you're so weird. I play it all the time at <laughs> Upward. So weird? I think if anybody's still listening to this podcast, they have clicked the 30-second fast-forward <laughs> yeah. so Tina. many times. Tina. Um, the, my number four was a was another score. Um, it was from the Black Mesa remake, which is a Half-Life remake. And my number five... They're all video game related. No, what... no, it's not. My number five was Akhenaten Act 1, Scene 2, the coronation scene, which know. is which oh. is a Broadway, or uh, an opera by okay. Philip Glass. Oh my gosh. It was like, okay. it's the weirdest, can you, the weirdest collection of stuff. Can you just listen to you too, like normal people? <laughs> no. Just... <laughs> Shut up and dance with me. Yeah, that's not you two, but that's all right. I, I know it's not you two. I'm giving more suggestions because, I mean, you two is kind of old too, man. Uh, you know, it's I, old. Uh, you're 40 years old, dude. I'm I know. Just and say, I think you two is you old. You peaked when you two was great. I peaked in middle school, right? When you two was great. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. My uh, my number one, this was kind of embarrassing. Um, mine was show tunes. Mine was a show tune song. <laughs> It was it was from Lin Manuel Miranda's In the Heights because the movie was supposed to come out this yeah. this year and I was like you know what I'm I'm excited to see it he does great work and I have no familiarity with this music at all yeah. let me get and then I I was it, what happened was I was painting 
the house and I started it and then I just really dug it. And so I just kind of kept playing it on repeat. And that was the one that got, so by the end it's like, you've listened to in the Heights by Lin-Manuel Miranda 300 times. And I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> I have no idea. I would imagine if I t- could guess, I mean, the two people I listen to the most are either Coldplay, no Coldplay or Imagine Dragons. I listen to those two. Okay. Well, so. that's creative and unique. Is Imagine Dragons a Christian band? They're, they're like on the, on the border. They are not. They're no. on the border. They're on the border. They you, sing about you would Jesus. Consider them on God. the border. They don't sing about Jesus because everybody Mormon, but sings they sing about Jesus God. at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joan Osborne. They're, they're asked, in that religious what if circle. God was one would, of us. If if you were a a homeschooled, you would youth, consider youth them. Would Would your mother let you listen to them? Oh, I don't. I probably not. I don't. I don't know. I mean, they, they it's it doesn't have a parental advisory on it, but they have some non. They have some PG thirteen words in some of their songs. I think in some of them, I like think. what. I don't I'm just know. kidding. <laughs> but so here's the deal. Uh, if you are moving one of, on, if you were one of the ones who, even if we're not on your Spotify thing, if you are, you know, listen to Apple, whatever, we're so grateful that many of you have made it uh, through and with us. Um, I do want to highlight a listener trend. Well, oh, first off, analytics. Do it quick because uh, I want to get to the next portion. Okay, Council Bluffs single-handedly again is challenging uh, Virginia. They have closed the gap by three. CB, are you so with now me? It's, so now Council Bluffs, you're almost... Council Bluffs, I can't ask you. We love you. you. Email I us. really... Please, goodchristianpod at gmail.com. I'm really considering saying, if we don't hear from Council Bluffs by the end of this year, we go on hiatus until we hear from someone. Yeah, I mean, you're charging me a whole three bucks extra for your click farm, so I really need to hear <laughs> something back. <laughs> I told you. And and uh, But Pasadena has taken over Glenn Burnie because you started listening. A little old lady. You you started listening. No, it was the little old lady. Yeah. From Pasadena. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, I do want to, our, our listenership trends, here's what I've noticed. So we can look and see where we picked up audience and where we lost. This is like my my least favorite segment, but keep going. No, no, but see, I think it's interesting because it's it's numbers and, it's, and it helps us uh, understand when we were doing our... Like when we first got started, obviously that was like, oh, let's check this out. And then there was, you know, obviously some natural drop off. Uh, we spiked again on our election stuff mm-hmm. with Christians in the Age of Outrage. It, it, it increased, it increased until election stuff was big, huge blow up. Huge. And literally the next week when we did good uh, news, lost half the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we lost half the audience in the election day episode would be my guess. No, we probably the election reaction day episode because election That's reaction was still high, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but up until but then they said no, I want to hear good news from you, and then from then on it's been kind of a steady steady drop, not not drop, we're higher than we were on, sure. our, on good news, but all that to say, it seems like people like controversial topics, yeah, oh, except for us for sure. All that to say, they like to listen to it and then disagree with it and then get mad at you for talking about what they yeah. want to hear, out and of the then first tell place. all their friends to say, "Go listen to these dummies." And uh, we would appreciate if you would tell your friends to listen to these dummies. But so last week you had us talk about our famous Christmas favorite Christmas movies, right? Hang on, Are I want to. Let, let me just let me just say this. Trying to move this along. Say this. People. Let me Sorry. say this. Let me say this. So after we get through our Advent season, once mm. we get into the new, the new year, the new we year. have absolutely no idea what we're going to talk about. And so we're going to do more controversial stuff. Not necessarily. What we're asking is write us goodchristianpod at gmail.com and let us know what topics you would like us to discuss from right. the church. That's the it. only reason that Jeff is saying we have nothing to talk about is because he keeps ignoring all of my ideas. Uh, because based off your Spotify playlist. They're all video I mean, games. Yeah, right. Do, 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 all right, I, 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 I've been waiting. I've been waiting for days oh, to hear this. So last week, oh, you sorry. asked us to do the Christmas movies, 
and I said Christmas Story, and you said Christmas Story is trash, and I said why? You said it because it's trash. You said why? Is it because it's trash? And you had no quantifiable reason to say why you didn't like the movie. Technically, that was and on it Friday came night. out that you haven't seen the movie in some twenty years when you were just a, you were you, you were young, and you made a, a a snap decision about it, and then you just convinced yourself that you didn't like it. But a few days ago, you watched the movie, and what did you think? It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You know what? I'm sorry for what I said last week. I forgive you. Last week, <clears throat> I called the movie trash, and and then it came out somehow that my wife is a huge fan of it. <laughs> but we've never watched you go, it together. You go to bed, and she secretly watches it. In the I think room. <laughs> so. I think so. She, we've been married for 16 years, almost 16 and a half years, and we've never watched this together. I had no idea that she like loved, loved this movie. Yeah. I mean, like she would quote it from time to time, but it was never like, oh, we need to watch this. She's never suggested we introduce our kids to it. And I decided after Friday night when we did our fun Friday and I took a dump all over that movie in front of everybody, it. I said, would you like to watch a Christmas story? And she was like, yes. And so our son joined us. And our son, mm-hmm. I think, wants to try to please dad and be like, this movie's stupid. And I think he probably did think it was a little stupid because, I mean, mm-hmm. it, there, it was very 80s. Oh, uh, sure. It was very 80s. But I, I will say, as I got through it, I went, this wasn't as bad as I story. had made it's it. It's a fun story. It's not the Christmas story. It's a Christmas story. It is but a Christmas story. What makes it fun is it's told from the the perspective of one like an eight year old yeah. boy, yeah, and so there's a grandiosity there. Exactly. There's there's a there's a, some embellishment. There's embe- it's fun embellishment. Yeah. There's a there's a sense of innocence to the whole story. Watching my wife double over, and when the little when Randy is eating like a piggy, yeah. is is, is Who's mommy's little piggy. Mommy's little piggy. I mean, she was she was gone. My favorite is the father's me. reaction in that whole scene when he puts the the, the yeah. paper down. <laughs> Disgust, and then goes back to reading the paper. I would, I would not say it's a movie that I need to watch every year in order for it to be Christmas. But you don't if, need to watch; just turn on the TV on Christmas Day, and you'll see it. Yeah, but if it was on, and I, I would, and my wife said, "Hey, could we watch this?" I would not be miserable. It'll be a tradition soon enough. So I was wrong about that. You know, Let me, if, if someone broke into my house and <laughs> you know put a gun to my wife's head and my children and threatened to kill them unless I watched this movie, and and, and you speaking and, for Jeff or yourself? I'm, I. I was like, he's I'm not married. <laughs> Speaking this that my, we my know hypo- of, my hypothetical family. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, I, I I would enjoy it. Like, you know, if I was like threatened with bodily harm, you know, I might sit down. And I'm watch pretty it. sure that is that is the tone you're taking right now. Right. No, I, it'd probably step up from that. Let's okay. start this rumor. I'm pretty sure Josiah Tillett. Are we allowed to say your last name? We already did. I mean, he's on. I'm already yeah. canceled. It's okay. All right. We. I'm pretty sure Josiah. That uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa, probably has an entire sorority of Christian girls who are listening to this podcast simply for you. And so that's that's the rumor, and that's that's the suggestion now. Council Bluffs, bunch of college-age girls that are just I would, really I would, interested in Josiah. I, I would, would encourage those different. girls to look me up on the internet, <laughs> find a photo of me, and then reassess your your lifestyle. Here's, don't, here's, it, don't don't take the other Josiah. To, there's one that lives in like Knoxville, and he's like real hot, and he plays rugby. Not oh, that one. Got the it. other one. Hey, if Jeff can find somebody, anybody can, man. You're that's fine. true. I would say this. I would go so far as to say I have a feeling that the listeners in Council Bluffs, Iowa, is actually Josiah's secret family. Maybe so. He talks about his wife and kids. Like I bet Maybe you have you've yeah. got a family that you just don't want us to know about for tax purposes, and you're living your best life here. 
Yeah. Uh, and so when you go to MAGFest, you're really going to Council Bluffs, Iowa, just to you let know, me, visit let me, the fam. We're, we're like 27 minutes into <laughs> this know, already. So right, let me shift us. Um, let's and, talk about some more things we're sorry for. Yeah, let me let, let's so let's get out of. We've had some fun, um, and yeah. Before we get into today's topic, let's uh, just acknowledge um, for sure in a lament uh, with grace and with love a story that I'm sure many of us have seen. Uh, the story of the Hillsong, mm-hmm. New York pastor Carl Lentz. If you hadn't heard of him um, before, you probably heard him now, but. Uh, you've probably seen him, and I mean, he's in like the magazines at the at the grocery store checkout for years because he's, you know, Bieber's friend and all this kind of stuff yeah. and pastor. Uh, anyway, so it it came out that uh, I guess he met a woman during the quarantine in New York, and they had um, and uh, you know an adulterous relationship, an affair, and um, then you know I guess it, somehow his wife had I don't know, but he was. Uh, well, thankfully, to Hillsong's credit, they they terminated him as mm-hmm. the pastor there and said that they needed to go through some healing. They, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, hopefully he and his wife are going through some sort of counseling. I don't know from there. I really don't know a lot of the story, but I do know the the crux of it was he had a moral failing. The the church terminated him, and it was big news at the time. Yeah. But after that, I, you know, I pray for him, but. Uh, it again is another black eye on the church, mm-hmm. and um, it, this is not something that we—it's uh, not something that we like to see. But it—it's—it's it's there, and we recognize it, and we say that the church will continue to have things that we need to work on constantly. Yeah. That we are good Christian people with an asterisk. Yep. Yeah. That's the thing is that. When all that news came out, it was it was difficult to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a lot of influence, uh, but there's been a lot said lately. In fact, David French just put out an article a day or two ago on Christian celebrity right. and and how 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 much we need to as a Christian community work on that uh, and not revere people, pedestal them, and all that. And so he wrote in his article, and I really, I really appreciated this. I thought it actually tied in with where we are and what we are trying to do. Yeah. Um, he said, change will only come when Christian leaders remember a few painful truths. Their hearts are deceitful. They do not deserve their fame. God does not need them. Instead, they need him. Mm. And, uh, and that just hit me when I read it, because I'm going, you know, here, we, we are on stage. We don't have nearly as big of a stage as, as Lentz does. Uh, it was interesting when I saw I saw Matt Chandler um, heard him at a worship conference a few years ago, and he talked about some of you know he was talking to a room full of worship leaders and pastors and said you know some of you wish you had a bigger stage you need to thank God for your small stage because yep. uh, you wouldn't be responsible and faithful with it if you had a bigger one uh, and I thought that was such an interesting interesting take and so you know I know we that's kind of what we are trying to do here is to acknowledge we are not everything that we appear to be yeah. uh, we're trying to be more like Jesus and and you know all that so we're we lament that we wish that wasn't happening um so anyway yeah the Brooklyn Tabernacle I was worshiping there years ago and I'm trying to look up quickly the name of the pastor I forget who Simbola. thank you Jim Simbola. Uh, his his message is one that is still stuck with me, and the line that is constantly stuck with me is, "If you want to follow Jesus, seek animosity." Hmm. You know, I mean, Christ not until the very end was like, "All right, now go tell everybody." But it, before that, he was just doing his thing, doing yeah. what he was called to do, and he said, "Shh, like I'm not ready for everybody to know this yet." It's interesting to me. Uh, I'm glad that Hillsong uh, 
you know, sent him packing. I mean, that had to happen. Of course. Um, it's it's interesting. They also sent his wife packing. She was on staff there too. Oh, really? And so I guess they had some kind of policy that is if your spouse is on staff and they let one of you go, the other one has to go as well. Hmm. Uh, so her life, her her world is kind of really shaken right now. But what's interesting to me, and, and may, this is a different conversation for a, another podcast, uh, I was reading about the culture of Hillsong mm-hmm. and how they promote the celebrity culture, that they have a whole section towards the front for VIP guests. Oh, wow. That if you had celebrities or somebody who came in and they said, and they were fine just kind of mingling in with, you know, lay people, common worshipers, uh, just kind of in the main section that they would, the ushers were... Um, told to bring those to the front so that they could be a little bit more prominent and they would be ushered back to meet Carl Lentz afterwards. And that Pastor Lentz uh, very rarely had any connection uh, or engagement at all with his church family. Oh, sure. And so, you know, it's just, it, it's that whole thing. is Yeah, did Carl did something real bad and uh, he should not be in the position that he's in. You wonder, does Hillsong play a role in that because of how much they... And I, I'm not. I, yeah, I think that that might be something to talk about. Yeah, I think that may be an interesting conversation I, later. So, I would love to talk about this at a different time. Um, but let's talk about it. But let's talk about it right now. Well, no, as we've just all, like, no, I'm kidding. You, we've all said our promote stuff. the idea, and then next week or at some point after the new year, we can we can discuss it. Where is the difference? I don't know. I, we shouldn't even get into this right now. But for me, I'd question: Where's the difference between? You know, if all sin is equal, where is the difference between, I don't know, this being something at the level with which someone needs to be, like, we would fire him. Obviously, he did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are consequences to sin. But, I don't know. I, I've been recently reading about, um, like, early Christian schisms, like heresies and stuff that kind of came up over the first millennia of Christianity. One of them was Donatism, which came up in, like, the 4th through the 6th centuries, which was um, out of the Church of Carthage this belief that uh, priests needed to be faultless in order to perform prayers and to perform the sacrament. Mm. Sure. Nobody's faultless. Sure. So it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic. And eventually it became like, codified that that was a heresy and that um, like the sacrament and the prayers that were performed by priests are still acceptable even if the priest was in a, a place of sin at that time. Sure. So I, I'd be interested in like digging into that a bit deeper. Like, well, is, I, I wh- think... What makes this sin different for us in this public spotlight than any other sin. Well, I think it's a, it's the difference of, are you, in your struggle with sin, are you overcoming it? Are you fighting against it? Or are you going to New York and lying about being a sports agent and taking off your wedding ring so that you can build a relationship with someone? Like, like th- there's, there's a line between, I'm really trying not to do this, and another saying, I'm going to wholeheartedly jump into this area of sin. But I, I still think too, you know, as pastors, as leaders, you, there is a higher responsibility. I, I don't know, higher bar. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but I know that double judgment. Yeah. And, and so I think there are people who would look at us as pastors. If they saw us doing something they did in their lives, it would probably in their minds, disqualify us from being sure. You know, I, I, I need to acknowledge now. Um, I should have done it earlier. Like I, I don't know what's going on with this. Um, sure. The show notes literally was just a name on a piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I didn't think to look it up before the we, we started recording. Well, you've been so, busy with your second family in Council Bluff. Yeah. I, I don't know the story, but um, 
like obviously that is that is accurate. Yeah. Like it's all about what's in the heart. Yeah. At that point with which. You need well, to let's like make this, this a topic of conversation for 2021. Good, right? But then Council Bluffs, goodchristianpod at gmail.com or really anyone. Let us know what you want us to uh, delve into and we'll be happy to do that. But for today. Week we, three of Advent. We are moving into week three of Advent. This is so exciting. Uh, we are just, by the time this drops, we will be less than two weeks, about a week and a half away from Christmas. So this is exciting. We still have some time, if you have not already done so, to spend some time preparing your hearts and getting ready for Advent for the Christmas season for the big celebration. Uh, we're going to continue to look at that today. The last two weeks, uh, when we started talking about hope, we were discussing how Advent is a time of repentance. It's a time of rest that we we still live out an active hope. We're not just sitting around and going, God, please just come back. We are in the process of trying to bring his kingdom about. Last week, we talked about the need to embrace shalom. God has made peace with us. And so we then need to carry that piece out. Today, we are going to talk about the possibility of joy in the midst of everything that we are going through. And so to do that, we're going to kind of follow the same uh, format that we went for the last two weeks, where we we deal with Advent as an idea, as something that we're celebrating, and then we're going to boil it down and, and, and drill down a little bit into this idea of joy. Really, 2020 uh, has been a very tough year. And it doesn't seem like it is settling down. I think it was in the last podcast or two, we talked about the potential that 2021 might actually even be worse, right? But 2020, everybody's kind of ready for it to be over. And and here we are in the midst of the greatest celebration that our culture takes on. And yet, can we really celebrate in the midst of all of this? And so I passed along an article to you guys. Uh, it was written just in the last two or three days by a guy named Chris Papalardo. And he basically asked, and, and Advent, it's a time of suffering, waiting. Can you celebrate in the midst of all of the junk? And so before, I've talked a bit. Do you guys want to jump into it? Or, or Yeah, I mean, I think, I think all believers, regardless of where you live and what your circumstances are, it's a good exercise to ask yourself, what do I need to celebrate the beauty of God's work in my life and in the world. What do I need? Yeah. Or what don't I need maybe? Or what what are the hindrances? So, you know, if if um we're in the middle of 2020, right? And so a lot of a lot of people in other in parts of our country are going to be celebrating Christmas with whoever they live with this year, mm-hmm. not with bigger gatherings. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be with who they live with. And so the question is, is that still Christmas? Is that still Christmas? Or Christmas is only and only when we have a big gathering and extended family and friends come over sure. and all that kind of stuff. It's the it's it's the it's the question that we've had um, for for some time with some of our um, you know uh, worship gatherings that we would do on not Sundays and stuff like that when we would do a midweek and we ask okay you know here's a week that twenty people show up or something and you ask the question was that worship was that worthy worship do do we need two hundred people in the room or is it okay to have 20 people in the room. What do you need to have? Um, and I think there was so many of us have a preconceived notion of what our celebrations are supposed to look like. Um, and if our celebration does not have X, Y, and Z, or if our worship doesn't have X, Y, and Z, then it wasn't worship. Who was the, was it Charlie Hall years ago that they, who wrote, I'm coming back, who wrote Heart of Worship? Was that uh-huh. Charlie Hall? Anyway. No, it was Matt, Tim Hughes. 
All right. So whoever wrote that, the story behind the song was they uh, they they stripped music from their worship. You're thinking Matt Redman, the heart of worship. That's what I said. Heart of worship. Anyway. Oh no, I'm thinking of another. One. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, you're right, Matt Redman. So Redman yeah, is sorry. in their church. They just stopped singing for a period mm-hmm. of time, right? And then they, they had to answer, ask themselves the question, "What is necessary in my worship?" And a lot of people think, sure. you know, worship you have to sing, and so they stripped it away and proved to themselves that you can still worship even if you're not lifting your voice in some sort of a song. And then yeah. they came back with that song, and I think that was a beautiful thing. And I. I I think we are we, we are in our programmed world, and this is what you and I are challenging ourselves for 2021 to get yeah. outside of the box that we have molded for ourselves and all of Christian the Western Christianity four songs and a message, yeah. four songs and a message, four songs and a message, and try to kind of blow up that model a little bit and say what do we need and how can we change that's we can do so many different things, right? And so I don't I don't know why how I got on this tangent, but um. You're asking about 2020 into 2021, and can we celebrate Christmas? What is Christmas? Well, I think his his premise is, and I, and I agree with you, I think you need to look at, and we've, we've talked in the last couple of weeks and about— And I agree the article. I love the article, yeah. by the way. It was great. No, and, and and so the whole deal is, what do you need, sure, to to have Christmas? But I think even on a personal level, you know, when you look at— and, and the, the thrust of this article was, how can you have hope— in the midst of a year that that a pandemic has has just come through and and is is doing damage to our culture, how can you have joy when there's significant job loss, schools are closed, there's financial struggles, businesses are are shutting down, are gone. Uh, even in our own community, we have some some businesses that have been part of our sure. culture that are just now gone. How can you have peace when in the midst of a, a summer of racial injustice? How can you have love when there's been so much civil division? Like, how can you celebrate Advent in a time where 2020 has basically taken a baseball bat to the all of it and just said, we're just going to, where gonna... can you find hope, joy, peace, and love? Can you even celebrate that in a in a in a dark time? Sure. So we 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 often call this a hot take. So I might lo- we might lose some more listeners hot today takes. because I'm going to use a word that unfortunately is incendiary now. Bomb. No. Um, the reason the the uh, we are asking those questions because we are privileged. Sure. We are asking that can we celebrate Christmas? Because businesses are going out of business. Or can we do this because we've had to stay home? Can we do celebrate Christmas because we have to wear masks? Can we celebrate Christmas because it's been such a bad year? 2020 is considered a bad year because we have had ridiculous privileged years before 2020. Sure. Like if we lived through World War II and, you know, if you were in the bombing of if you were in the London bombings and you're sending your children out to you know to to hang out with Aslan in a wardrobe out in the you know you're, you're sending your kids out from the city and you are left there bombing and you're you know and, and and you say should I go to church today should I celebrate Jesus today I mean we're we're not in and the article makes the point like this is 2020 was rough yeah it's rough in recent memory. But in grand human history, we're we, we're we're soft, and we think that this is sure. the worst the world has ever seen. Well, and and I I would agree. So, the one thing my wife has been really good about reminding me of is that there are a lot of times where, um, you know, I'll look at something they're going through, and 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 I don't want to say nobody's had it harder, but not not that way. But but she is very good at saying, kind of keeping a mindset of 
there are people, yes, who have it worse than you, mm-hmm. but that doesn't negate the pain and the sorrow that you're going through now. Agreed. And so there are things where people could say, like, because I want to be careful that if, if, if you're somebody who's listening and you go, you've lost your job, you've mm-hmm. lost someone this year, to like, we're not coming out and saying, oh, you're soft. Agreed. Like, that, that's the one thing I want to be real clear about, but... The reality is there are bad things that have happened this year, and and regardless of where they have come from or what our life has been like prior to that, mm-hmm. the pain is real. The pain is real, but yeah. the, the the answer to your question of can you celebrate Christmas in the midst of this darkness of twenty twenty right. okay. is a resounding, in my opinion, yeah, a resounding, easy yes, sure. In the view of human history, yes, I would add an asterisk to that if. You have a relationship with Christ. Correct. If you don't, this probably is the worst your life has ever And that's been. the point of the article. The right. point of the article is that we we kind of, and I'm paraphrasing, we, we confuse what Christ came for. Yeah. That when he was the dawn from on high coming to visit us, to guide us into the path of peace, as it says in Luke chapter 1, he, he, he brought a momentary light. Mm. He brought a momentary light, but we're still in darkness. Yeah. Uh, we're still. He, he came in not to rest, not to bring us out of our mess, but to sit with us in our mess. Yeah, like that's he entered into human history. I, I often, when I start to question everything, I often wonder why in the world would the Savior of the world, why would God step off the throne of heaven and come as a absolutely helpless little baby? Yeah, be birthed from the womb like the rest of us. Yeah, like why would he go to to, to such a point? The God of the universe is now being changed by a human being. Mm-hmm. The diaper of a God is being changed by a human being. Exactly, that blows my mind. And he said, and and he came in not in, he didn't come in privilege. He came into yeah. our mess. Yeah, and he lived it. And now that we're in the mess, and 2020 is a mess. I agree, and yeah. I'm not. I don't want to diminish what anybody's going through. 2020 is a mess. And to your point. If we know Christ, he is with us in the mess. Yeah. And so the answer has to be a resounding yes. Can we celebrate? Yes. It's funny. We're going to talk about that, Christ being with us in the mess. One of the things, I guess I had never, 40 years old, I've never considered this. And then until this article challenged me to, you know, it talked about what was life like for those when Jesus showed up, mm-hmm. that how bad it was for the people of God, mm-hmm. that they had been enslaved, they had been exiled, they had been with, you know, nations had come and taken over. You go and read, I don't I don't feel comfortable using the language that the article uses, just sure. in terms of the things, but go read Lamentations um, and see how far you make it before you go, this is what was happening yeah. to, to their, their people. The glass was not half empty. No, it, was it was empty. empty. Yeah. And God had been silent for hundreds of years. And what's interesting is, you know, we, we think about how bad things were at the time, and then Jesus shows up, and then all of a sudden, here goes everything. But the reality is, what was happening to all of the other boy children who weren't Jesus at that time? They're, they, they're being Getting killed. slaughtered. Yeah. And, and here, it's like, even in the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of, of the pain that this these families are going through— here comes Jesus. And so I, I really like that the article isn't like, it, it almost seems like we have this idea that Jesus comes in and just immediately fixes things. Right. That's not what happens. Uh, one of the 
quotes I pulled from the article that just really meant a lot to me was said, Advent isn't about an escape from the darkness of the world into a false bastion of tranquility. Advent is a discipline that trains us to experience longing just as the Jews did before Jesus' birth. Without this real sense of longing, Christmas offers no sense of real hope. And if we already sense longing for healing and lament over injustice, we are that much closer to the spirit of Advent than we first thought. One day, God will end all injustice and death, but Christmas reminds us that God's first step in ending injustice and death was to submit himself to injustice and death. Yeah. That he came into our midst. And you and I, we went through a um, a sermon series a few years back, and it was probably, I don't want to say probably, it, it, is, it is my favorite sermon series that we've ever gone through. It was three weeks in the book of Job. Is that all it was? It was three it weeks. It was three weeks. It felt like forever. It was not. And we entitled it, There is a God and He Hates Me. Yeah. And that was my favorite series of all time. Because we dealt with, I went back and read the messages oh, wow. like over the past few days, and um, and they were some of my favorite things that we said from the pulpit. And because we really, I mean, you were on vacation, and so I took the first week, and mm-hmm. then since our the way our schedule is uh, in our in our church community, our weekend exists of Thursday night and Sunday morning, and mm-hmm. the second ep- the I'm gonna call it episode the second sermon I preach Thursday night, you preach Sunday morning, um, and the whole series was basically just dealing with the life of Job and and the lessons we learned from him. And I would argue that Job and then in the Advent season have so much in common. There's an interesting connection, and most likely we would never pair the two. And so how does Job point to Jesus? Job points to Jesus in the sense that we've got this guy who literally is going through hell. Mm-hmm. Like everything has been stripped away from him. Mm-hmm. And he's got these terrible friends who are just not helpful at all. And Job goes through this progression uh, that, that I, I think is, I'm just been convinced of in the last five years uh, that our, not our, just our church community, but the Christian community does way too much, which is this concept of spiritually medicating. Mm-hmm. And spiritual medication basically is going through a difficult time and putting on the brave face and saying the Christian things like, God is good all the time. Mm-hmm. Totally true statement, true. but it's not a statement that that very often is like, this is where my head is at. It's kind of like, I'm going to push down the bad because if I, if I allow these things, allow these questions, allow these hurts to come out, does it challenge the goodness of God? And that's what Job was doing. I'll get to my point in a second. Job was going on saying, God is good, praise God, you know, naked I came, naked I go, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything sounds really, really good. He's super righteous. And literally in the third chapter, he basically starts out with, cursed day I was born. Like it doesn't take him long at all before he, he processes it. And he goes through this whole ordeal for like 30 chapters with he and his friends where he just gets to a point of being really upset with God and and shaking his fist at God, getting to a point of just saying, you're not fair, I'm going through all this, and where are you? Mm -hmm. And what I love, and this is where we kind of pivot into Christmas, is that what happens is in the middle of his absolute darkest moment, God shows up. And God, the one thing that God doesn't do is give Job an answer for why all this is happening. Like, he doesn't say, Job, I thought you were a righteous man. Satan came to me and we had this bet. 
you know, he didn't come out and say, Job, I did this for this purpose, for this purpose. I didn't do it for anything else. At no point does God reveal to Job his plan. But what God does is he reveals God to Job. And he comes and he says, here's who I am. And in the midst of your terrible situation, in the midst of you going through the absolute darkest moment in your life, I'm not going to explain why this is happening. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to promise you a way out of it. What I'm going to show you is me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be with you in the midst of it. And Job 180 comes back and he goes, yep, I have heard of you, but now I've seen you. And, and this idea that when we see God from a distance, he appears very, very small. When God gets bigger, he, it means he's much closer to us. And so that is really the story of Advent. That's a story of Christ coming to us and saying, look, in the midst of your mess, I'm, I'm not going to—I am. I'm not going to pull you out of everything. I'm going to be right there in the middle of it with you. I'm going to reveal myself. And Jesus is God revealing himself in full. Emmanuel. God, God with, with us. us, right? So Emmanuel is not, you know, you shall call him Emmanuel. Is not, all right, uh, <laughs> everything is going to be fine and dandy from here yeah. on out, but it's going to be God will be with you. And, and his incarnation, his whole point to come was to remove and to tear down the dividing wall of hostility between man yeah. and God so that there could be the relationship there even when the darkness persists. You know, even when there's war and famine and pestilence, even when 2020 comes. So the relationship and the connection between God and man can can, can exist. And uh, again, my point is that in 2020, for those of us who know the Lord Jesus, the relationship and the connection between God and man still does exist. Yeah. And that is what we celebrate. We yep. don't celebrate our circumstances. Right. Because, you know, it's not yay 2020. Nobody's going to say that. But we celebrate that in spite of 2020, in yeah. spite of what my grandparents went through with World War II, and my great-grandparents went through with the Great War, and everybody else before that, in spite of everything that we've gone through, and and, and again, 2020 is nothing compared to what sure. my grandparents went through and my great-grandparents went through yeah. and all the wars, and even even my parents going through uh, you know, Vietnam and all of the turmoil of that. I mean, 2020 is, you know, it's big, yeah, but it's not the biggest the connection is still there and we celebrate that God is with us. That's yeah. the celebration. And that's where we lead into joy for today. Your daughter? Yeah, my daughter. My oh. daughter's name is Joy. If so if you're listening to the podcast and you don't know us very well, you've started to do the math and you go, wait, Jeff, Jen, Jack, and Joy, yes, we are a family with all the same first name letters. Good job. We're that family. Mm-hmm. It was uh it was Was it a conscious choice? Um, it is a funny choice because my wife for wanted to name Joy. We were talking about naming her Violet. We thought it was a very pretty name. I'm Violet, Violet. But then my wife said she will feel left out if she's the only one without a J name. And I'm like, well, Jack, his name is a family name. Like, that's not like we're intentionally leaving her out. And, I mean, we didn't pick our own names. Um, and so, but that made sense. We'll go, you know, we'll go all four and we both love the name joy. We love the idea of joy. Uh, I will say, um, she then proceeded to take that on to our dogs. Uh, we, our first pug was named Baxter from the Anchorman movie. And when the following year, when we got our second pug, she, it was a deal that we made that if I allowed her to get an additional pug, then I got to pick the name 
and I picked the name Jolene because I just thought Jolene. I thought it'd be really funny to call her name Jolene, like a pug would ever come. And um, so my wife said, "Okay." She brought the pug home, and I said, "All right, little Jolene." And she was like, "No, that's not her name." I said, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "I don't want Baxter to feel left out that all of us have J names." <laughs> and so she named him, named her Beatrice. Riveting. Baxter and Beatrice. So my wife is very much believes that you know first letter names are are a good thing. So joy, joy. Today is the third week of Advent, and we are talking about joy. And I want to come in with a hot take. I put it on here, and I just want to see if you guys agree or disagree. Joy is the most difficult Advent emphasis theme virtue to achieve. Agree or disagree? Disagree. Okay. Joe, Z. I appreciate you not thinking about this ahead of time. While you're thinking, it. here here's here's you, my you, reasoning. You disagree. Uh, I I disagree. Joy is is hard, but I would suggest that as we just got done three hours last week talking about peace, <laughs> which is not a matter of ceasefire, which is a matter of wholeness and shalom. Shalom is harder than joy. Okay, that's my all right. Take. All right, no, I'm, you know what? I didn't I didn't go down that trail too hard. I just I just went. What is my gut? What is my gut? Sure. And yeah. here and here's why. Do you have a thought? You speak from your gut. I speak from my mind. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> well, I mean, like as an armchair historian and, and someone who... Ooh, that You need to make a podcast called Armchair Historian. There is a YouTube channel called Armchair Historian. Um, all right. So then now, all right, now yeah. you got to pay them money for using Sorry. their name. But as a, as a person who kind of like, I don't know... Reads history from your armchair. Got it. Yeah. And, and pays attention to kind of like contexts <laughs> and, and, and things. I, I think joy... I think peace is the most difficult advent to achieve for us in this modern day. I, okay. I, I feel like joy it had the chance of being at other times like the hardest. I, I think it's it, it just depends on what's going on, like okay. what what physical. Um, that's the thing. I can hear that. What what's impacting me right now? But that's the okay. and I think and I think and I, and I'm not saying Jeff. I I know where you're going with this, so I'm not saying that you are misconstruing or misconceiving what joy yes, is. Yes, you are. But I don't appreciate it. But I th- think a lot of people do. They uh, they they don't realize the difference between joy and happiness. There it is. Where happiness has everything to do with your circumstances. Happiness has everything to do with the temporary. Has everything to do with twenty twenty. But joy is something that is eternal. Joy is the fact that no matter what our circumstances and our happiness is, we can still connect in with the God of creation because Emmanuel, God with us. So while happiness has an ebb and a flow, joy is a just a constant in life. Yeah. It's it's X. It is a constant. So to me, I would say the reason the two reasons I think it's the hardest, and you guys didn't dissuade me, although you did a really good job. I it could be it's neck and neck. Our take um, was trash. No, I won't say that. I won't <laughs> say that. Um it's just not right. Uh one is I think it's hard to understand, and you you hit on that, that so many people equate happiness with joy. I was looking up, and 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 one, I, I, the reason I had this hot take was because doing research for today, I was like, it was much easier finding stuff to discuss in the world about hope. People have written on peace. When you talk about joy, almost everybody starts their articles with Webster's Dictionary defines joy, and I'm like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. There was so little, but there was stuff about the Dalai Lama, and the Dalai Lama says our our chief end is to pursue our own happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that whole stupid thing. Was it Marie Kondo? That's like clean out your closets and touch things. And if it doesn't spark joy, throw it away. I'm like, that's so dumb. 
Like, and to be clear, the pursuit of happiness is a worthy pursuit. Yeah, and it pursue was a, happiness. Great. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You're not going to get there. Right. Like, I mean, ultimately, you can be happy for a time, and then life is going to go knock knock, right? And then at that point, that's and, and so that to me is is the other is the flip side of this. One is we don't understand it, and so we don't really know exactly what we're talking about. The other is that I think it's really hard to pull off because in the midst of darkness, in the midst of difficult situations, it is natural in my mind. It is a natural desire to want hope. It is a natural desire to want peace. Now going after it maybe, but when we're in the midst of sorrow, the natural emotion or the natural, our natural bent is to not go, I am going to pursue a different emotion. Happiness and and sorrow are competing emotions. So therefore, this idea, it's not natural in those situations for me to go, oh, I'm going to choose to have this mindset in the midst of in the midst of sorrow and grief and difficulty. I, I don't know. Um, I would agree with the sentiment that people are constantly want love and peace. Um, I would disagree with the sentiment that, that people are constantly working towards that. I'm not saying like, they're working towards it. What I'm saying is that I think joy in the midst of, of of having a mindset of optimism, having a confidence, having a a sense of rest in your soul when everything else is going nuts, that's typically the first thing that we will abandon. Mm. I mean, the the disciples, uh, when things were not going well, I mean, they were with Jesus and everything was awesome until an external circumstance came in and they didn't have that confidence of it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, and Jesus is going to take care of it. I mean, they had they were with Jesus the whole time and saw everything he could do. And the second bad things started happening, they were like, "Whoa! Like, what's happening here?" Yeah. See, and I think I think that's the difference. That's that's joy and happiness, right? So, um, recently, uh, I sat with a family who had, um, you know, there was just a loss in their family, a death, and one of the family members said, uh, "It's okay." Yeah. The other family member said, "No, it's not okay." Yeah, that's the temporary, and that's yeah. a, that's correct. Yeah, in the temporary, it's not okay. Right, but the joy, the eternal, is it is going to be okay. Yeah, and holding on to that, that when the ebb and flow of the happiness and the not okay and the okay and the not okay and the okay, and we can we we can want things to be okay in the moment. I, I think I'm sure your your son's of the age that I'm sure he likes to do the little bottle flip where you know it kind of like lands on the table and stuff. He's gone through that at least that yeah, phase. Yeah, he did that. Right, he went through that phase. Right, so um, happiness kind of reminds me of you know a teen like your preteen kid like trying to flip the bottle under the table. Try, 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 try. You finally get it. Euphoria for about five seconds. Sure. And then you try it over again. Right. I mean, that's just, that's happiness. Happiness is so fleeting. Yeah. That it's not, you know, it's fine. Have those moments of great happiness and joy. Win the championship. Wonderful. Yeah. But it, 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 it our, our view needs to be at the finish line, as Paul says. Right. right? Don't be happy just because you took another step. Keep your eyes on the prize and the finish line that we would cross the line. You mentioned sitting with people. I, I think there's no greater picture of joy than expressed in in the midst of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, I remember we had a family in our church who, um, they had an adopted daughter who had health issues and, and she passed away. Uh, and they came and they asked me and the band to lead a time of worship and to rock it out and to rock it out. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is that 
there were a number of people because this is a military family. They had a number of people from the military who, who came in. People who are not affiliated, not that the military is not affiliated with church, but people who were sure. outside of our church, yeah. a lot of them came in for this moment. And, and I, I struggled with it because I'm going, this, this feels weird to stand up in the midst of a funeral for a very young child. Yeah, she was like six or seven and something to, who passed. Yeah. And to open up with a hoedown version of I Saw the Light mm-hmm. and to end the evening with a raucous version of Glorious Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the midst of all of that, this family is like, this is... We can have joy in this because yeah. this is not the end. It is going to be okay. And that to me is is what is where I see the greatest divide between the Christian and the non. It's in those moments where in the midst of grief, you can say, I still have joy. In the midst of sorrow, I still have joy. Where outside of that, it's this is the end. And to know that it's not the end and then be able to look forward and say, I'm I'm broken but I'm moving forward because Christ is with me in this moment. And that is what, what Advent is. And so there was a little article I shared. I know we don't got a ton of time to deal with all this, but I just, I wanted to share it um, because it really, I really liked what it talked about in terms of uh, just this, this visual picture that, and I'll share it in the show notes that talked about the night of the shepherds when they came and visited Jesus, it was still dark after Christmas Mm -hmm. that they were in the midst of darkness. And here was this angelic, light that just shows up, Mm -hmm. kills the darkness. They run and they see the baby. And then in Luke two, it talks about, and then they return from where they came, giving glory to God. Mm -hmm. And so where they were returning to, the angels weren't still there. They were going back into a moment of darkness and, and yet they were still exuberant in their excitement because they knew things had changed now that Jesus was born um, light had broken. I think one of my favorite scripture verses, I know it's one of my favorite scripture verses. It might be my favorite, but it's just Isaiah nine two. the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of darkness. A light has dawned. And that's just reiterated in John where it talked about, he was the light of the world. The, you know, the, the darkness could not overcome it. And I just, to me, it's here is light breaking through in the midst of darkness and only one thing could pierce it. And it did. And so to me, it's just, that is a picture of, of a, a beautiful picture of a Christian. They go, here comes light. And then yet sometimes we still go back into the darkness, but that doesn't change the reality that Jesus is still with us, that he is Emmanuel. Um, the angel's light was temporary, but it pointed to the greater one. Yeah. Um, when it comes to joy, I, I, I just, it's an interesting armchair theologian, uh, for those of us who are kind of armchair theologians, if anybody wants to do the research and look up, I'm going to kind of, I'm skip ahead and then we'll come back, right? And I'm going to skip ahead to who I was going to mention as my great Christian person, um, who, I mean, we've read, and I I read a lot of his quotes and sermons all the time. John Piper is a pastor out in Mm -hmm. Minneapolis. He, he's a, he's a preacher who has, and theologian really, who has spent almost his entire ministry cultivating an idea that he might consider a doctrine. He calls this doctrine Christian hedonism. Mm -hmm. Now, so some of us have different ideas of the word hedonism, um, but he cultivates this idea of Christian hedonism, which he kind of bases around uh, Psalm 1611, which is uh, the, the, you know, from the pen of David, where David says, God, you reveal the path of life to me. 
and in your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Again, this is back to God with us is our eternal joy. In his presence is eternal and abundant joy. But um, I just I want to read um, just real quick, just kind of introduce the doctrine, and then anybody who is interested, just Google it. You'll find it on DesiringGod.com, and there's lots of stuff in there about um, this thought process of Christian hedonism. Here's what it says. Christian hedonism is the conviction that God's ultimate goal in the world is his glory and our deepest desire to be happy are one and the same because God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Mm. Not only is God the supreme source of satisfaction for the human soul, but God is glorified by our being satisfied in him. Therefore... The pursuit of joy in him is not optional, it is essential. Hmm. And Christian hedonism claims that the Christian life should be the pursuit of maximum joy in God, joy both in quality and in quantity, the fullness of joy and joy evermore that is found only in him. Hmm. That God with us, uh, God brings about his glory when we are most satisfied in him, that we, we God has opened up, as we've talked about, that relationship with him, and no matter the ebbs and flows of our happiness, we can plug into the joy with him. I, I think uh, it's a it's a very interesting, you know, kind of lifelong teaching that he has, and I would recommend it to anybody to, yeah, to read, even if, that. you know, even if you don't subscribe to all of it, it's it's definitely something that will grow you. Yeah. Have so you, here, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Have you ever heard of um, the theology of like synthesis? I think. Tell me. Um, I know photosynthesis. Yeah. So the theology of synthesis. Synth, I'm not going to say that right for the rest of the episode. Uh, theology synthesis. of synthesis. It's an Eastern Orthodox thing. I'm, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure there's some component of it here uh-huh. in like our Western theology, but um, it, the idea that the body and the spirit are are synthesized together in like human beings that we have a, a physical component and a spiritual component, and that one affects the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they talk about this in the concept of like fasting, like mm-hmm. you fast in order to help realign yourself spiritually and your priorities, because what you do to your body will affect your spirit mm-hmm. as you, as you kind of subject yourself to, to something that's uncomfortable, it helps direct your spirit towards, towards a good idea. And I think, I think based on what you're saying right now, I, I, I think a kind of a good complimentary idea to go along with that is this idea of going back to is it possible to celebrate advent in in a dark time take these temporary things these things that that affect your 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 body your your stress the 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 fear of illness all, all of these things that are very temporary for us and use them to direct yourself towards a more eternal thing towards mm-hmm. this longer lasting this 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 constant throughput of joy Sure. Let yeah. let the circumstances of 2020 show you the grandness of God, mm-hmm. and not the grandness of this flawed and sinful creation, for sure. And that's the thing. Like this conversation today has been a little heavier because of the things that we're we're talking about. But I I personally, I mean personally for me, I kind of like focusing on bad things um, for a while. Uh, I think it's important to do that and not just sit here and say everything is good, everything is fine. To embrace this idea that yeah, not everything is fine, and let's let's call that out. Let's acknowledge it. Yeah. Let's name it because we all have 
dark times. Nothing to see here. Move along. Yeah. But like, when in actuality, there's lots to see here. Let's yeah. stay here and let's, let's stay discuss here. it. Let's And let's see what God does in the midst of it. it. It'd be very easy. We miss, I think, sometimes blessings and a deeper connection with God and to see greater things when we when we act like Job in the first two chapters. That's just like, everything's good. Everything has been taken from me. I'm at death's doorstep. I have no children anymore. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know, and then, but the progression of, of dealing with the pain and looking at the difficulty and coming out on the other end and saying, and here's God in the midst of it. I think recognizing the dark makes the light better. And so, you know, the challenge today that I would, I would say is, is spend some time um, being aware of the things that aren't going well. And as Josie said, allow those to kind of push you into a reminder of, of, of joy that I may not be happy in a lot of what has happened this year, but I can still have joy in the midst of it. Um, and so I want to move us into, unless you had something special that you wanted to say. Uh, no, I, the reason I bring this up is more or less just cause I, I, I want to make it clear that like there, there, there are probably people listening to this podcast that are, are just not happy. Be it you, you're dealing with seasonal oppression or like some other kind of like long-term thing you've got like an illness in your family, you've had loss in your family. And I, 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 I always find that whenever we have conversations about joy, it's always kind of tinged with this color of like, well, if you're not experiencing joy right now, you're doing something wrong. Right. And I, I, I know even though we just talked about this, like this, this thing from John Piper, I, I, I want to make clear that like, even though it might not necessarily be the, the right thing to do, it, it, it's okay if you don't feel joy in this moment. Sure. sure. Do yeah. your best to find it. Right. Do your best to find it. And that's right. and, and from from that 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 understanding from Piper, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Mm-hmm. And that's in and, and, and it's that's a constant lifelong pursuit yeah. to find full satisfaction in God instead of in our own humanity and in our own drive to try to find satisfaction in other things. Man, since the beginning of time, have been idolizing other things, trying to be satisfied in other temporary things. And from the beginning of time, God has been saying, lift up your eyes to the hills because I am here where all of your help comes from. Yeah. I am your satisfaction. He then came in the in the form of a man and a baby in in Christ and said, "I am now with you. Mm-hmm. I'm now with you. The dividing yeah. wall is gone. Find your satisfaction in me." And even as a pastor, even as a pastor, I'll throw this confession in there because I know this is our next bit. Um, we all, uh, including those of us who stand in the pulpit and yell and scream and point fingers and beat, you know, slam Bibles, we have moments where we fight or lose the satisfaction in God. And we, like Indiana Jones, take God off of the, our idol, idyllic pedestal when we put a bag of sand there and we say, that's, that's, that's us now. Um, uh, you know, I, I think here, I'm going to, so that's my kind of very vague personal confession, sure. but let me confess kind of for the church in whole and in general. Uh, w- w- the church is, um, in in general, is not good at always showing satisfaction in the Lord, especially when things don't don't go their way. I've been in churches where, when their favorite football team loses, the next Sunday is a drudgery. Yeah, we're worshiping the Lord of the heavens, and your football team lost, and so everybody is dragging into church. Yeah. I've been in churches and in church services where the election didn't go their way, and it is a dirge. 
because of a temporary election to a temporary country that now all of a sudden we are having a hard time worshiping the Lord. Now, to be clear, sometimes, you know, uh, life gets in the way in Job, and it is hard. It is hard to get through the circumstances. But like we were talking about with, uh, you know, uh, the Hillsong and the pastor there, the question is, are you trying? Hmm. Is the is is the the attempt there, or have you? That's it. That's it. I you know, I'll, God, I'll let you come knock on my door, but I, I no longer am attempting to find satisfaction in you. Is that I, I, that's the line mm-hmm. in my opinion? So for my confession today, I actually want to take a quote from the article I just referenced because uh, it just it really it really hit me, um, and I was like, hey, this is me. He said, I've been praying for a light that will eradicate the dark altogether and get me out of it. I'm looking, aching at times, for clear, confident revelation that will end my confusion for good. I've been waiting for God to solve life for me. But honestly, that's more escapism than seeking God's leading, and that's not why he gives us light. He shines his beams of revelation to show us the path to Jesus, the light of the world. And my confession is is it basically, as the article talks about, so often I can revert back to a pre-manger darkness where I just want God to show up and say, fix everything for me. And and just, I don't want to feel, and I mean, it's natural, I know, to go, I don't want to feel this pain anymore. I don't want to experience, as opposed to going, I'm going to allow myself to find where God is in this and then allow him to be with me in it. It's so quickly how much, you know, it's very, and, and I know it, it seems natural that people will do this, but I'm very good at telling other people, this is what you need to do. And this is how in the midst of this, you need to pursue and try to find joy. And I'm not great at it. Um, when things hurt uh, because of trauma, because of, of whatever my personality, like I just want to stop feeling bad. And so I'm very good at telling people, hey, you should you should just feel your pain and you should not suppress it. Uh, and, and my story is one of severe suppression of pain, uh, and, and working on that and dealing with it. But very honestly want to say, yeah, I'm not nailing this. Uh, but, but it's just, it's a challenge in that way. To your point, um, before you move to the next piece, you mentioned sometimes you cry out to the heavens and say, God, I want you to show up and fix this. And I believe to all of us, because we've all said that his answer is I already have shown up. Yeah, and I yeah. will. Right. I will. It's a Not, lack of, I am it's, right yeah. now, yeah. but I will. It's it a lack will of faith. be okay. It's a lack of faith on my part to go, this is all going to, you know, and, and I mean, it, it's it's a struggle. Look, the disciples had the same struggle, so, I, you know, and they got to see him in the flesh, but I, I still go, that is that is a thing for me. Did you have anything to confess? Not yeah, you're, you're good. Now, you said a couple things last week. Uh, you confessed on it. So you've said you're a good Christian um, person or people. You've. I find it interesting sometimes when we when we do this. One of us goes local. One of us goes uh, larger. Local. global. We're gonna go super local um, for this one. I I was going to uh, already talk about one of these couples, and then in the past week uh, in a preparation, I can add two more. I can add another couple to this list. Um, in our church community. Uh, I don't want to use their names. I guess it'd be weird, but um, if you're in our church community, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, we've we had a family that a number of years ago, um, I was I was leading worship, and this family came in, uh, and they you know been part of our church for a while, and they came in like they would normally do. I think they sat in a different spot. I don't remember if it was all the way in the back or all the way in the front, but they 
were just lost in worship. Like it was, it was so abundant in their expression to me. I'm going, man, something has happened to this family in a great way. Like they just really are going for it today. They are all about Jesus and something has happened. I don't know what it is, but man, they are exciting to watch because they just have the joy of the Lord on them today. You know, that's, I guess, a phrase we use at church. And, and I really was, was just encouraged by them. At the end of the service, the whole family came forward and told the pastor that that morning, uh, the older brother had gotten killed. Yeah. I believe it was in a car accident. Um, and that shook me. I have never, I have never forgotten that moment in worship where here was a family that I came in. I was like, man, they are just full of joy today. And then they came and announced to the church what had happened. And I, it is, it is such a moment to me that I, I can just so vividly remember as a pastor being taken back going, I've never seen anyone do that. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anyone come out of trauma that fresh. I mean, not come out of it. They were in the midst of trauma and to be just to have a countenance of crying out to God and just dependence on him. Um, I've never forgotten that. And then this past weekend. It was a visual representation of the Lord gives, he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, which is crazy. Yeah. And, and, and I have loved, I mean, I love this couple already. I've loved the whole family already, sure. you know, up until that. But, but that was such a moment to me of going, I want to be that when I grow up. Mm. And then this past weekend, we had a tragic death in our church family. Um, someone we love dearly, a family that we love that is a huge part of our church. And, uh, and faith, heading into Sunday was, was really tough. And as you and I were walking through the lobby, the parents showed up. Mm-hmm. And to go out and just hug them in the midst of, man, in the midst of the sobs, mm. in the midst of the grief that is so fresh, mm. and to say, this is where we need to be, this is our home, and and I, I I had to do everything I could to not look at this entire family that was there on Sunday. And and every time I did, um I saw them in, in, in expressively worshiping in the midst of tears, and I went, That's not possible apart from Jesus mm. and the joy that he gives. And so to me it is such a beautiful representation of joy in the midst of sorrow. It convicts me. It makes me go, I hope that when I'm in those moments, I can be like that. Yeah. Um, I want to end today. I've really liked how we've ended our last two episodes with Tim just uh, taking a, a home run swing at, a, at something that we've read. And uh, so I just want to um, to turn this over to Tim. Tim is going to do a Tim talk. I've pulled out a, a quote from the article and I want to um, I want to have you just read this to send us out as we think about what it means to be people who pursue joy today. When you are in a dark night of the soul, it's painful, it's disorienting, often to the point of despair. But as believers, our darkness is always post-manger. Our darkness is forever against the backdrop of the light of Christ. What has been shown of him cannot be unrevealed, and Jesus never leaves our sides through each season of darkness. It is those who love us best who stay with us through our worst. 
you know love is real when it shows up in the middle of the night. Someday, morning will come. Night never lasts forever, but in the meantime, we have Emmanuel, God who is right here with us. And that means we can return to the dark again and again, rejoicing and praising God for the light that we have and the one who loves us enough to remain. We can heed the angel's call not to be afraid of this present darkness or any other. The one born to us that night is still good news of great joy. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, check in with us today. Thanks for being a part of this. We would love to hear from you. Uh, Subscribe to us, like us on Facebook, join us on Twitter or Instagram at GCP pod. And again, we would love to hear from you via email. Good Christian pod at gmail.com. If you have thoughts, if you want to give feedback, if you want to suggest some ideas for where we go after this next week, we wrap up our Advent discussions as we look at the love that Christ brings. This week, no matter what you're going through, no matter what 2020 has been like for you, our God is with us, and in Him there is exceeding great joy. And until then, have joy. been listening to good christian people the podcast today's episode was recorded on december 7th 2020 by jeff higgins and tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, maryland if you'd like to hear more of our content please follow us online at goodchristianpod.com or check us out on twitter at gcppod fall asleep if i can hear myself breathe really yeah that's weird yeah i well while you were sitting there reading the article i was drinking water and i could just hear my mouth going yeah that's and why i was like I, oh i took oh. the headphones off. i could tell i was like i bet that's why and i'm like i mean just moving my tongue around like What was I going to ask you about before we... We were talking about something.